For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.
want to give you glory and praise in your house today, Father. And God, help us and prepare us, God, to be a sanctuary, Lord. God, that others might see something, God, in us that they might want to have for themselves, Father. We need to put that example out there. God, we do need to do that. And I just ask you to touch each one today, Father, those that aren't with us, that you just will touch them today, God. And if they're sick, God, we ask you to touch their body, Father. You're such a good and mighty God. We just ask you to be with God, even those that are at that gay pride, God, uh, pray, God, we know they're in sin, God. But there is sin all over this world. Not only that, but it's all over, God. And they'll never see you, God, until they make it right. We just ask you to touch them and save them, Father. Just that you would send someone their way, God, and it would preach the Word of God to them, God, that they might want to know you, Father. That's what we're all about. God, you're using us, God, to bring about the truth. And we just ask you to be with us, Father, in the name of Jesus, and help us, God. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to talk today about being sexually pure. You can't talk about God's moral law without talking about uh, being sexually pure. Amen. You know, how would you define society and its attitude towards sexuality and sexual purity in the day we live in today? They don't care. <laughs> Somebody just said, but uh, we're going to pray for the gay pride march that's going on because people need to get saved. Amen? Well, we can see the society we're in. How many could have envisioned a gay pride march even when you were 10 years old or it just wouldn't have happened, amen? Uh, I read in the paper just this morning, as I scan the newspaper every week, every day, uh, that this is the largest gay pride march in the nation of Israel ever. That just shows us where we are as a, as a society globally. Uh, immoral, not moral. And, uh, you know, we live in a society that increasingly adopts either a relativistic or a permissive attitude towards sex. Relativistic meaning, uh, well, what's good for you is not good for me, but if it's good for you, that's okay. How many have ever heard that kind of an attitude? Yeah. That's really the way we're taught today. You know, and I, I have to be honest, if I am honest, I mean, you have to, we tend to be that way in this country today. You know, well, it's okay if they want to be gay, they can just be gay. Just don't push it on me. Isn't that how we think? Often, right? Instead of standing on God's law, what does God's law say? That's, that's a sin. Nobody should be doing that. But we allow it. Why? Because, well, we're relativistic in our thinking. We've been conditioned uh, to think that way in our country, in our society. You notice that and we can divide it into a left and a right paradigm. You notice how the left is always saying, well, you're a, you're a bigot. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. You're a hater. That's a new computer term that we have in, in the Internet age. You're a hater. Why? Because you don't agree with things that are against the moral law of God. Does that make you a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, a hater? No. We're still to love the sinner, 
but not to love the sin. And often, you know, purity, and that's a strange word today, you know, purity is derided as being out of touch or being approved. But, you know, God's established distinct guidelines regarding how His people should define purity. And God does call us to be pure. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, as Your servant to be here before Your people today, Lord. Father, this is Your Word that we're looking into today. It's not my Word. It's Your Holy Word, Father. And it doesn't need any or require any anointing upon it because it is anointed. <laughs> but as the messenger, the speaker, speaker forth of Your Word, I ask for Your anointing. I need your anointing to communicate to your people, Lord. I can do nothing apart from you. Use your servant today. Speak to our hearts and to our lives. Challenge us. Show us where we need to make adjustment. Encourage us. Strengthen your body, your church, from your word today, Lord. And Lord, let it come and be planted in good ground, the good ground of our hearts today. And Father, we thank you for doing just that in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Amen. We'll look at three things distinctly today in being sexually pure. Number one, sexual immorality defiles. And we're going to see that from, again, the Bible. What does the Bible... How many know it's not what I say? That's right. I, 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 my opinion, and 350 will get you a cup of coffee at the Sheets. Used to be twenty-five cents, thirty-five cents, two dollars, two fifty. I don't know what it is now. I haven't bought one in a while, but they're way up there. My opinion means nothing. Your opinion doesn't mean anything. It's really what does God say about it? Now I'm going to jump around and and, and again, it's too many scriptures for you to for me to give you a heads up on. I'm just going to I'll verbally tell you where I'm at, and you can jot it down and check them out. We, and we should know where this is in the Bible. Amen? If something is in the Bible as a guideline for our lives, and, and, it, and it deals with His moral law for mankind, and now today we're talking about being sexually pure, we ought to know where it is and we ought to know what it says. And not just the, the verses I'm giving you, but the context in which they are given. I encourage you throughout your studies to look at the whole thing, the whole counsel of God. But in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 3, I want to read that and begin there. And God is speaking to the Israelite people. He has brought them out of Egypt and into the world. He's giving them the law now. He's giving them His Word and what He requires of them. And again, now, don't get caught up in, well, that was Israel and we're... The, the God of Israel is the God of the church. He's no different. Amen. And uh, Israel, uh, you say, well, that's the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. There are several covenants in the Bible from Genesis all the way through. And God is a God of covenant. We happen to be involved with Him through the New Covenant that is in Christ, made by His blood and His offering on, the, on Calvary. But... Uh, it's still the same law. Somebody said, well, 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 the old covenant was hard and, and Israelites couldn't keep it because it was so hard to keep. Well, when Jesus came, I'm going to remind you now, uh, He didn't make it easier. He made it even harder. 
You know, the Jews could always say, well, you know, I never killed nobody, but you hated your brother, Jesus said. That's guilty of murder right there. I never committed adultery, but you, you lusted after that. Did he make it easier in the new? No, it was easier in the old. But the idea is not, can we get away with something? It's, where are we at as it relates to God's moral laws? Okay, And, and really, the law, as Paul taught us in the New Testament, was a schoolmaster to show us that we could not keep it. And we needed someone greater than us to help us obey God. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the, the new covenant that we come into. Amen? But here in Leviticus 18, verse 3, God says this, You must not do, that's pretty strong, isn't it? You must not do as they do in Egypt. Don't do like the Egyptians. Where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. Now that's, that's cut. No interpretation needed, right? That's pretty strong, pretty cut and dry. Don't do like the Egyptians where you were living. And don't do like the Canaanites, the people I'm going to bring you into there and give you their land. Do not. He's warning them. He's telling them straight up, don't do like they do. Now what's a type of Egypt, a type of Canaan to the believer today? It's the world. Who's your enemy? The world, the flesh, and the... The world. Don't do like the world. How many popes today in church want to see how close to the world they can live and still get to heaven? That's not how we're supposed to be. Amen. We're to be a, a pure and a holy people. He's telling the people, do not do. Now, what was going on in Egypt and in Canaan? Sexual immorality to the extreme. To the extreme. He said, don't do like that. He was going to give them, as we go along and see, some guidelines how they were to live in common. He's telling them right now, don't do like these people. Do not. Now, if I, if I was God, and I'm not, I'm being ridiculous, and I was to say to you and address you as God, today I would say, do not do like they're doing down in D.C. marching in the street. Don't you be down there doing that. Don't be down there looking at it. That's exactly right. That's basically what he's saying on a bigger scale. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't be down there at the gay pride bars. Hanging out with the folks. You don't have no place with that. Now, we go to verse 24. We're still in chapter 18 of Leviticus. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways because this is how... Listen, listen, listen carefully. This is how the nations... Now, that word nations in your Bible... In the Hebrew is goyim, which means Gentiles. I've said that I don't know how many times because that's so powerful. He said, don't be like the Gentiles or the nations, plural, that I'm going to do what? Drive out before you. And they became defiled. So the Gentile nations that God was going to drive out in front of the Israelites and give them their land, had defiled themselves. They defiled themselves. 
Look at verse 25. This is mind-blowing here. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin. And the land did what? Vomited out its inhabitants. Now, what do you think? I want you to think for a minute. Does God, I, I know you all say the preacher. We know the preacher. Okay. Does God have to exaggerate when He's telling somebody something? He means what He says. Does He mean what He says? Does He say what He means? Think about that. He said these Gentile people. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Let's, let's give you a, a brief history lesson. This is important to our Christian walk with God. We go back to the Tower of Babel after the flood. And man had spent 500 years disobeying God because He told them to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. What did they do? They hung out at a place called Babel and built a tower to go up to heaven to dethrone God and take over heaven. God had to come down and confuse their languages and scatter them over the earth to do what He had told them originally to do after He brought Noah and His sons out of the ark. Okay? So they were in defile, they were in rebellion against God 500 years after the flood. And now God scatters them over the earth. And He gives the body. You go to the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 14. Don't take my word for it, you might check me. But I think it's chapter 14 where uh, Luke pins the words. He says that God determined the habitations of the different peoples of the earth and made their boundaries. Think about that. So when America came along 2,000 years later or more, several, several more than 2,000, over 3,000 years, he knew that we would be here. It was all in his plan that we would inhabit this, this late nation, this land. Now, what's he think for a minute? At some point after the original dispersion, and, and people grew into like nation states in different languages, kind of grouped them together, you understand? Different groups were displaced by other groups. You understand that, right? I mean, do you think the people that live in Italy today were all Italians when they came in there? No. No, they was from all over the Middle East and, and, and they, they moved up into that area. And they became... See, languages like Italian, that's a fairly new language. The, the Romantic language. Before Italian, French, Spanish, people spoke Latin. Before that, they spoke Greek. Uh, you know, and who knows what little dialects or tribal dialects. There was no, you look at the King James Bible, 1611. How many years ago was that? 400 years ago, right? You ever think? You go 50 years before that, and I think it was Wycliffe wrote a, a Bible translation in English. He, he got killed, for, he executed for doing that. You know that. Well, you read his translation, then the 1611, just 50 years later, it's like a foreign language. So, 450 years ago, English, as we know it, didn't even exist. So God has a program moving forward, as you see. We're just on that time. There's a, a ahead of us. Amen. We're here, and there's a, a up here, a, up here in our future. There's a here, a here, and a future, and then there's a whole big past. Now we can learn from this. If we pay attention, amen. And we can anticipate what's coming here if we. That's why the devil keeps us out of this book, right? So we don't know this, then we can't understand. And we're watching ourselves make the same mistakes that these people make. 
And, 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 and God was not happy because <laughs> they didn't do what He said. Amen? And they lost the thing. Now, when God called Abraham uh, right after the dispersion of, of the nations in that time frame, He told Abraham, I want you to leave your home, your father's house. He was in Ur of the Chaldees, ancient Mesopotamia, a Gentile land. He said, I'm going to bring you into a land and I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever. And I want you to walk up and down in that land and wherever you put trods, I'm going to give it to you. Thank you. Who was that man? Abram. Later named Abraham. But he didn't give it to his twelve... His, his, he had a son, Jacob, who had twelve sons who was renamed, Jacob was renamed Israel. He didn't give it to his grandson. He had a son Isaac, Isaac had a son Jacob. All in that time frame. He didn't give it to them then. What did he do with Israel, the twelve tribes, during the time, during the time of Joseph? I'm trying to get your thinking caps on, historically. What did he do to the, what did he do to the, why didn't he just give them the land, Tom? Because they just made it to me. Huh? No, no, we ain't got that for you. Hold on, hold on. They were, they were obeying it. See, they were pretty much obeying him. They, they, he was making a covenant with him, remember? He made a covenant with Abraham, Abraham. Then he made a covenant with his son Isaac. Same covenant. Then his son Jacob, he made a covenant and said, it's you and your twelve sons I'm going to give this land to. But what happened to him right after that? He told him he was going to make a covenant. He didn't say when exactly did he at the moment. But he did. He did, but he didn't. He told, he told him, you're going to go into Egypt for 400 years. And when I bring you out, I'm going to bring you to the land. Why did they go Why did they go into Egypt for 400 years? Why didn't he just give them the land of Canaan? They weren't ready spiritually. You got, you got half of it right. You do. They weren't ready to have the land spiritually ready. And the people that were in the land were not in sin at that time. The sin had not reached the place where God had to, had to drive them out. See, He gave them the land. The, the, the Canaanites, He gave them the land. But because He's God and He has a standard, we're talking about His moral law, He can take it away. Amen. He can give you a blessing and He can take it away from you. Now, is God an Indian giver? Yeah. Who, who loses it? God or... or we do. If we lose out, it's not God. Let me tell you, it's us. That's great. Now he, he, the scripture says that they could not go into land because the iniquity of the Canaanites had not reached its full. Think about that. So does God make people do things? No, He just knows ahead of time what they're going to and how long it'll take for them to get there. What's the Bible say in Revelation about mystery Babylon the Great? She has a cup in her hand, and it's at this point when we read about it in Revelation chapter 2, it's full of abominations and it's running over. And what does God tell us? He's judging them. Why don't He judge Babylon now? Or, 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 or five years ago? It wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. Now he's telling the Israelites here to be pure, to reject this sexual immorality that these other nations do. And look what he says in verse 30. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 25. Even if the land was defiled, so I punished 
it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Verse 30, keep, he's telling Israel, keep my requirements. King James says ordinances. You could say statutes, laws, commands, commandments. Keep my requirements. I like that. That's the NIV. Do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourself with them. For I am the Lord your God. Now that, that, that's a hard, that must be a hard thing, isn't it? Don't fornicate. Don't be a homosexual. Don't break people. Don't steal. Be pure. Have one wife. God's so hard, eh? He puts such hard demands on people, doesn't he? He's just a mean guy. You know, you talk to some folks, you would think that's the way he, he is. Well, you know, you Christian people got all these rules and regs. That's pretty just that's just called basic living right there. That's just called living like you should be. Does that seem hard, Ellie? Yeah. He said, Don't do that. I am the Lord. Always hear that, you know, that Cecil B. DeMille movie, you know, with Moses, Moses. He's out there talking to him out of the bush. My Lord. Don't hurt me, Lord. And obey my commandments. What happens if you don't? You're going to get vomited out of the land. Now, you know, I mean, think about that for a minute. And I'm not superstitious. You know, you look at what's going on over in Hawaii, one of the most permissive states, one of the most wicked people, stuff they do over there. Talk about gay stuff, man, my goodness. And you got the earth literally spewing molten lava out of its core onto the onto the ground. Still going on. Still going on. And you got, I think one other state has a Something going on like that. They've been talking about yesterday. Yellowstone is ready to blow at any time. That would destroy the, the entire continent of North America if that went off. Yeah. Is God speaking to people? Yes. Man, I turn around. Just look at the weather we've had over the last few years. I know weather can be up and down, I mean, but it, it, it's kind of a little crazy if you ask. People don't believe it. Yeah, that's superstition. That's, that's superstition. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe God's speaking through nature to people on a level maybe only they can understand. They won't read His Word. They won't listen to Him, right? If your house starts shaking and stuff starts spewing out of the ground, onto you, you know, maybe you'll listen at that point. Maybe it's all, maybe I need to make some changes here. Amen. So we're to to realize that sexual immorality defiles. We're to be pure and reject that. Amen. Secondly, the dangers of sexual immorality. We're going to go to the book of Proverbs. We'll stay there for a little while. Now, I'm not picking scriptures um, dealing with just women or females because, but, because there are plenty of them that deal with men as well. Okay, This one happens to be a, a female example. It's just one. And I, I don't want you to get excited and say, oh man, he's picking on the women. 
calling all women crazy. No. But how many know there are immoral women? There are immoral men. There are immoral people. Amen. So, but this one here is an example of what it says. Now the lips in Proverbs 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. So he's talking about a woman that's going after somebody else's husband. She's an adulterous woman. And he says, uh, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Bitter. I mean, you start partaking of that type of lifestyle, and you're going to drink a cup of bitterness. Your life will be bitter. And it's like being cut. A two-edged sword cuts you on both sides. You're going to get cut on both ends, man. It's not a good thing. And God has warned His people uh, through the wisest man in the world. He's giving you the counsel. Now, He was so wise, He didn't take His own advice. I think He had... 800 wives, 700 wives, and 800 concubines. And then he ended up going to hell because he wouldn't listen to God. And God told him, if you take these women as wives, they're going to take you away from the God of your fathers, and you're going to worship idols. And that's exactly what he did. Think about that. So human wisdom can only go so far. But here on this level, God is telling us this is a bad thing. Uh, sexual immorality. He says, look, verse 5, her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. In other words, living an immoral lifestyle. Practice, we're to practice abstinence from that rather than practice immorality. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Keep a path far from her. Verse 8. Do not go near the door of her house. Now why is God speaking so harshly against adultery? We don't, because it breaks up families. It does great damage. It, 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 it will... It will tear up what God intended for good. It becomes something that's bad. Now again, if we, I, I grew up in a broken home. You know, if you if you grew up in a broken home where you had a broken, you know, God is a God who forgives. Amen. I'm not bringing condemnation to anybody. He forgives. He saves. He restores. But we know if you've been through it, you know the damage it causes, not just to uh, the family unit, but to to yourself as well. It's not a good thing. He says, at the end of your life, verse 11, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent or, or, or give out. Because, you know, I think about that, and it says here for your, uh, says, you look at, there was a guy in the paper yesterday who gave himself AIDS. Did y'all read about that? To infect his wife or whatever. Gave himself AIDS. And they, of course, they prosecute. That's like, how sick can you be? But you know, when I was growing up, I never heard of people contracting what we now routinely call STDs. Thank God, I never had an STD. I don't think I want one of them. But it, you know, I never heard of you know people. I, I was like 25, 26 when I first heard the word AIDS. I never knew what that was. I mean, that wasn't a part of my generation growing up. We never heard of nothing like that. But you know, that generation and the one before us created that. If you're between 80 and, and, and 60 or whatever, you've created the age generation. Why? Because we had free love. Remember that? Yeah. Free love. The 60s. And, and all that created the, the disco 70s 
and then the AIDS 80s, right? That's it. And because what happens is it's like that. You begin your body begins to grow. I mean, remember here it was it. As Rock Hudson was one of the ones. Uh, Liberace, of course, that was not a real stretch to figure that one out. But the Rock Hudson, he kind of he kind of shocked folk a little bit. He was like, "Oh, he good looking he man." Like basketball, <laughs> basketball, Magic Johnson, and, and we kind of go on and on. And, uh, and I think they have drugs now to kind of hold that. That was a death sentence back then. I mean, you did you say your brother was at one point? Did Back then, that was, and that's not very long ago. That was a death sentence. Yeah, maybe 30 years. 30 years ago. A death sentence. And uh, now they have stuff out there that's, you know, like super duper flesh eating bacteria and different things. And they have uh, STDs that cannot, uh, that, that are immune to, yeah, immune to uh, antibiotic therapy and treatment. And we, we're in, uh, and what's, what is it like? What's it really caused from people? Sex. <laughs> we talk about sexually pure purity. That's our message today. It's called not being sexually pure. It's not doing the right thing. Amen. Now, does God hate the people? No, He just and now He warns the people here. You're gonna get this. Your, your body's gonna give out on you by doing what you're doing. You're gonna die. It's gonna take you to the grave. That's what He said. I did. I, did I read that right? You know, now, what was the antidote? Keep my requirements. Do not follow any of these customs. And don't defile yourself with them. Don't do it. So why did they get it? Now, now you know, I've heard people say they blame God. Oh, yeah. If it was a loving God, I would never have had. No, 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 no. Maybe you're doing what he didn't design you to be doing. Your behavior has consequences. Let me be real. We had adults here, okay? Certain parts don't fit. <laughs> oh, unless you force them, you know what I'm saying. Certain parts, you you know. Now, do you need to be a genius to know that? No. Well, we're gonna do that anyway. And what did God say would happen? You're gonna be in trouble. So, what's the thing? What's the antidote? Practice abstinence. Practice abstinence. You know, I don't know. I, 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 you can take the most handsome looking man in the world, and I, I would not kiss that man for nothing. I just, I'm sorry, ladies. It just don't do the thing for me. Now, Brother Dave, what we used to call back in the day a semi good looking woman, I can work with that. Even one that's a little bit on the, on the rough side, I, I'll work with that. Homely looking thing. I'll work with that. But when a man, I don't care what that man looks like, I, I cannot go that route. Now, 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 for some people, that's a big temptation. You understand what I'm saying? That, and I understand that. Okay, maybe that's whatever they've been exposed to or whatever. But you, if you're in that boat, you got to say, no, I'm going to be pure sexually. Because that's what God requires. And it's the same for a man. If you're looking at a woman and you want to have, you need to say, look, I, this is where my stall is and I'm not getting out. I'm not going to kick the stall down and go find some other filly to mess with. Somebody say amen. Come on. Amen. And uh, Because it brings consequences. And here's the big reason why. Tony, you want to know? He said, man, I want to know the reason why. I'm going to give you the word right here, brother. Here it is right here. Verse 24, Proverbs 5. 
I'm sorry, verse, <laughs> verse 21, I'm sorry. 21. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and He examines all your paths. Why should I be pure? Why should I live according to God's statutes and commands? Because God is watching me. He's watching you. And all of our ways are before Him. That's a little scary, isn't it? Think about that. Come on. He's watching us. He's, he's aware of what's going on in our life. We're to avoid the dangers of sexual immorality. Now, our last point that I want to make as we close is God's plan for sexual immorality. He tells us what He doesn't want us to do. How many do that with your children when you're raising kids? You're always telling them what you don't want them to do. Don't run out in the parking lot. Don't run around in the church. Don't crawl under the pew. The preacher doesn't care, but Dad cares. Eh? Yes. Dad's like, whatever keeps them occupied, man, that's cool. We always tell our kids what we don't want them to do. Don't go out with that crowd over there. You be in by you do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And you know, they, they had a, a gal one time got up. You remember Pentecost? How many old Pentecost we got here uh, from the good days, the glory days? We had testimonies all the time. You remember that? And the folk being in the congregation. We had one brother, he was like 92 years old. Brother Tony, I swear this is this is my man. His name was Permuant Brother. Brother. Permuin Tucker. Permuin Tucker. And Brother Permuin would stand up and he would kind of hesitate a little bit like he was trying to, am I standing up? Am I? And then it would come to him, testify, and he would quote the entire book of First Thessalonians all the way through. Word for word, man. He would just stand there. After about four times, it's like, oh, here comes First Thessalonians. You know, we knew what was going on. But I mean, I was very impressed with that. I'm like, this dude is like, he got the whole thing memorized. And we got about one time he got up, we knew he was getting old. He got up and he got almost all the way through. He got hung up on one word. And he stood there. And finally it called to him. He finished off. That was the last time I heard him testify. Testify. Lord of God, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh. Thank you, Lord. And some of them old sisters would get up. They would about, about as big around as they was taller, man. Glory to God. We had one old guy, Italian woman, had a beard, man. I mean, she literally, she shaved, she shaved, and had stubble. I mean, she had some stubble. But she would come for me every time. She had a son that was hooked on PCP. And he ended up, uh, he lived, God, my God. He went to the greatest out of these studio houses, but he jumped out the window. Third story. Didn't even feel a thing. He was, they strapped him in and they broke the straps everything. Brother Jerry, you gonna talk to my boy? And I would, you know, he, he I talked to him, you know, he just wouldn't. 
wouldn't listen. But she would call, brother, and hug me. And I would always kind of like, man, she goes, scratch me, scratch me with that beard, brother. I mean, she had a full five o'clock shadow, Tony, I'm telling you, man, this girl did. She was a big old woman. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I, 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 I was trying to buy them something like give, give each other a holy kiss. I'm like, she'd come up to you, have, have sweat all up on me. You see that sweat just coming up on that? <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And Naomi was a little baby back then. She was there. She don't remember all that stuff. She was just a little, little baby there. Amen. We have folks get up testify, you know. The little girl gets up testify on testimony night. Wednesday night would be testimony night. Of course, they would testify anytime, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Yeah. They just stand up testify. And the uh, little girl gets up and the pastor asks her, well, honey, what, what, what do you believe? And she would up here, well, we don't believe in TVs. We don't believe in movies. We don't believe in long hair. We don't believe in makeup. We don't believe in... He said, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He said, honey, what, 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 what do you believe in? We don't believe in staying up late at night. We don't believe in watching these movies. We don't believe... Honey, what, no, 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 no. What do you believe in? We don't believe in foul language. We don't believe in... <coughs> she, she, she couldn't cite what she believed in. Only what she was told that they don't believe in. And, and I thought, man, that's profound. You know, that's profound. Think about that. That's, that's deep. I'm like, man, we, we missing something here. You know, we made it a bunch of religion. Now, see, when I got saved, they were hardcore. My grandmother come in, Methodist girl, got saved. Thank God she didn't get offended because she's a tough girl. You know, she might have slapped somebody. I don't know. But she's a tough girl. And they were looking at me later with it. You see that woman over there, got, she got a pair of slaps on. My grandmother would be like, I'll, I'll wear whatever I please in the house of the Lord. You know, but, but see, the Pentecostal women, they, they was, you know, oh. It's true, they didn't do things. They, no, they didn't, see. Now, there, there's some wisdom to that, but. God looks at your heart. That, that can be taken yeah. to an extremism, you understand? Now, we had just kind of come in at the tail end of that when I got saved. And there was still remnants of that here and there, you know. And uh, it just went off her like what bore off the dust back, you know. Now, my mother just the opposite. She come into church, had on a little hat with a little net over the eyes and a little white gloves and a special little purse and, a, and a, you know, cashmere, you know, she was up and all of Because that's what you wore in the Methodist church and the Pentecostal ladies, they wasn't quite that formal, you know what I'm saying? No, nobody else had that. She's the only one that had that on. We left the service, she's like, how dare you take me in there? They don't have no ass, they don't have no, you embarrass me in front of I couldn't win for losing. I take my grandmother in a couple weeks later, she wearing a pair of pants. You know, like, oh, 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 oh you wear a pair of pants. We didn't have to please anybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, you know. So church is always kind of in this transition, kind of moving through, and we need to go to this. That's why we teach stuff like this. It's just basic, I know, but people don't get basic. I didn't get it. You know, we need basic. To understand what does God require? Now, what what was really profound again as I go back to the little girl, she could tell you what they didn't believe in, but she couldn't tell you what she did did believe in. Only what she didn't believe in. 
And I'm like, that's something wrong there. Now here are these Scriptures I gave you. Now God has just told us what He doesn't want us to do, right? And what He requires. He said, do not do these things. But what does He tell us to do? Well, of course, keep His, keep his commandments, obviously. But here in Genesis chapter 2, we'll slip over there. And we'll see God's model for marriage is here in the Bible. Go all the way back to Genesis 2. We, we were told not to fornicate. Not, that's what he's telling Israel, right? Don't do these detestable things. Don't do, be, what we talked for a few weeks back, bestiality, homosexuality, all of the sodomy. Don't do these things. But what do you do? Well, here it is right here. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, everybody say that, God said. God said. If He said something, we ought to listen. Amen? The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. How many believe that? If God said it, I believe it, man. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. He said, I, that's God, He said, I will make a helper suitable for him. Man, that's a good thing. Look at verse 23. The man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So what are we to do? We're to take a wife. Amen, guys? Amen. Solomon tells us in Proverbs, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. A good thing. Hallelujah. A good thing. Hey, man. You know what? It's not a matter of men and women being one better than the other or one. No, 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 no. People, people get that wrong. You see, we see a lot of what they call feminist movement where women want to. You know, really, I, I don't know about I don't want a woman to go out on the battlefield and fight somebody for me with a gun and dig in a foxhole. You know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I don't think that's proper. And you know why I say that? Because God made men and women different. He made them different. How much you think for a minute? Um, I'll use a, a, a Jerry illustration, which means it might be a little off, but uh, I'm going to give you the best. I can't, I can't put it on par with the, with the book. You know what I'm saying? But men are like, if you have your body, remember he said the two shall be one flesh. Okay. Now, what's kind of unique if you think about it, God never called Eve Eve. No. He said Adam called her Eve, for she's the mother of all living. Adam called his wife a woman, a man with a womb, because she was taken from him. God made a helpmate suitable for him. So God made her from his side, his rib. So what's kind of cool is God made this individual, but it's sort of like if you take a body, and I believe I'm right, I believe I'm right, um, if you cut the cord on somebody's spine, like the neck, spinal cord, or you, uh, somebody has a stroke, and they go to the hospital, and their brain has just been demolished by the stroke. You know, the pressure built up, the blood vessel burst, and they're, they're clinically brain dead. 
Now their heart might be beat. And it could be for as long as they want to keep it going, really. But they're called clinically dead. Now that happened to Brother Neil over here. When his mother had a stroke, we went in, she was totally, the doctors, they had a whole team of them come in. She's brain dead, she's gone, but they had a ventilator on her. And they couldn't take the ventilator out without their permission. They said, if we take the ventilator out, she's probably going to die. If we leave the ventilator in, she'll live who knows how long. But somebody will have to figure out where to put her and pay for it and all that stuff. So that's why people have those, what do they call it, uh, wheels that tell you what you want to do if you have to get up on a pulled up or whatever. And, uh, but she was brain dead. So they unhooked the, they decided to go ahead and take the tube out and she died and so forth. Now, you can also have uh, when, when a heart attack. And that's sort of like a stroke in your heart where the blood don't go through and you just kind of seize up and you can die. But you know, you can be there laying on the ground, graveyard dead, heart ain't pumping. If blood don't pump, you die, you're gone. I mean, that's all. It, but your brain can still be alive. You know, your brain can still be alive. They could, what was that they tried to do now? I apologize if I'm drawing stuff here. But, uh, they, 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 uh, we're, we're trying to do a uh, transplant somebody's head on somebody. Do you hear about that? That was recent. But I like women like this. W women are like the heart, and men are like the brain. Now it might be the opposite in terms of intelligence, but just work with me on this, please. This is a Jerryism, okay? I said it might be a little off, okay? You can live without either or, but you work a whole lot better when both of them is together. Amen. 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 So like I said, when you can live single, or you can live married, you can live... But God said it's not good for a man to be alone. So when you're together, there's, there's something... You, you have a support system. Hello? You have someone that you can lean on. You, they, they, they can help you when you when you need help, and you can help them when they. You can encourage you. Now here's the deal: women and men. See, the enemy, the devil, likes to exploit differences. You understand what I'm saying? There's a reason why a man can pick up 50 pounds pretty easily. Now I know, don't don't you all throw it on me now? I say, well, I know a woman she can bench press 200. I know there's always exceptions. Okay. I don't know a woman she can whoop my arm all day. Okay, I understand that. There's always, but a man can generally walk around and the pressure out. We, we can pick up 50 pounds, 70 pounds. That was what you had to do. Now, a woman, maybe she can do 20, 25, 30 at the most, you know. Why is it different? They're just, they're just different. They're, 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 they're different, you know. Now, I would much rather, I, I would take on any woman, and I know I come out on top with that. If I had to get in a throw down, you know what I'm saying. But there are a couple of dudes I, I don't think I mess with. I might even, like, you know, I'll make peace before I go ahead and duke out with them. But I will duke out if I got to. You know what I'm saying. I don't want to send my girls out on a battlefield somewhere and take a bullet when I got a young men that should be the ones out there doing that. Because they got a more stout body for that type of type of work. Now, now you. <laughs> The problem with that... I would go out and take the bullet, girl, any day of the week, rather than have to sit home 
and change diapers. The problem with that today is the men are not men anymore. They're more feminine. That's a whole other message. That's a big problem. That's a message. That, that, <laughs> and, and we've, been, we've been talking about that for quite some time. I'm uh, sorry, but it's the truth. Oh, it's the truth. You're right. You're absolutely right. I don't see men anymore. Well, we feminize the, the men today. They were skinny jeans. The feminizing the guy. Tony said, I, 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 you, you'd be around some of those 18, 20-year-old boys, they just... Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're just not men. Okay? They're not going to run the ball up the middle, right? And they don't know hard labor. So. They don't know what labor is. Wow. And they don't know what labor is. Well, uh, what, what, what happens is today. we have a society that has been taken over by... A, a left-wing godless agenda which is promoting this equality nonsense and that's what it is. So women have to pick up the pieces somewhere. Well, it's true. They're very resilient. <laughs> women are doing okay. <laughs> women, but, but see, women now are having to be men and they're not made to be men. Exactly. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? And men are not supposed to be women. That's right. And, and we just, we, we cross it. Now why, let me give you an example. God said, I made man in my image and in my likeness made me them. Now you have the devil confusing people's identities, teaching young children in school that you can be whatever you want, you can choose your gender and all this stuff, in a role to confuse. God is not the author of confusion. So, so And we shouldn't be confused. You either have an X chromosome or an XY chromosome. Either or, I don't care what you do surgically to your body. Your, your cells are male or female, one or the other. Amen. And uh, that's all it is to it. But God's plan is that uh, He doesn't want you to live your life alone. He has someone to walk it with you. And here's the point I'm trying to make. The attributes that men have by and large, and I, I know there's always exceptions on both sides are what women need. Not in their own life, but they need with their life. It, it, to be a part of it. What women have, men have, men need. Okay, I'll give you an example. Men, men can be just cold, hard, you know, well, just let them just, you know, rot away. I, just, I ain't going to do, you know, men can be just tough. Women are more what? Lovey-dovey and, oh, no, you know. But when you cut and bleeding, fellas, what do you need? Doctor, you need some loving and some hugging, and, and we're gonna make it all good. That's what I'm talking about. Kiss my boo-boo. Kiss my boo-boo and make it make it better. You see what I'm saying? So, why do women have that mindset and men have their mindset? And who designed each of them? God. God did. So what does God require? What does He really want? Is that when they come together, they, they, they make the full man. You are complete. That's why God, when He addressed them, He said man. He was talking to both of them. Because He only saw one entity. Man. When Christ looks at, when God looks at Christ, He sees the church and Christ the head together. We're His, 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 His bride. Thank God. He covers us. We're part of Him. You see, and that's pictured in Christ in the church and the man, the husband, and the wife. The husband's the head. The wife is 
the, what's covered by the head, the body. And they both are required. They're both blessed of the Lord. And when they're together, they're, they're one. Now, somebody said, well, if I don't have a wife or I don't have a husband, I live my life and I die single or whatever, you're, you're married to Christ. We're all, as Christians, we're one with Him. And that pictures the, this marriage pictures the true reality of where we're headed and what we are in Christ. Amen. Even today, we are one with Him. And look at verse uh, 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. They're one. Now, I know metaphorically, sexually in union, they become one. But he's talking about something more than that. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? You go to Corinthians and Paul says, he that joins himself to a prostitute becomes one with earth. So there's something more that goes on with sexual union than just the act itself. There's a spiritual uh, oneness that takes place through the union of a man and a woman. And, and they're together. That's why says, but, and there has to be a leaving before there can be a cleaving. A man leaves his father and mother and they cleave unto his wife. They will be one. That's the creation. That's God's way. We say we're to be sexually pure, to abstain from immorality, but to have a wife or a husband. And that creates, when they come together, a separate family unit. And the human race, is, it goes on and on. Now what would everybody do if we just all became gay? What would happen to the human race? Wouldn't happen. Die out. We'd be gone. We'd be gone. Is that God's way? No. How could they be fruitful and multiply if you're gay? You can't. You can't. Oh, but we'll start genetically engineering people in Africa and then we'll overcome that. You see, there's always a way and, and God gets upset and then drives people out of the land. So the Israelites were given a land by God, the land of promise, that if they obeyed him, he would drive out the inhabitants who were under his judgment because of their sin had reached the full and Israel was told to go in and take the land. But if they did the same thing, he would drive them out. What happened 400 years later? They did the same thing and he drove them out only to bring them back in, a remnant, in 1948. And they're going to be attacked and God's going to protect them and he's going to save a remnant and they're over there celebrating Gay Pride Day right now. And most of those people don't realize they're going to die in His judgment. And it's not just the Jews. It's Gentiles as well. The world is headed for judgment. We're here with salt and light giving people a way out. There is a way out. His name is Jesus. In Exodus 20 verse 14, again we said God's way is marriage for sexual purity. And he, he reiterates it there in what we call the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. So is God into free and open marriages? And swinging? Party hardy? Do your thing? It's okay? He says do not commit adultery. In Deuteronomy 24.5 He says this here. Now this is, this is wonderful. And we ought to obey. How many believe God's Word is just a good thing? And he gets a bad rap. He really does. In the world, in the church, he gets a bad rap. Oh, you know, God is just so hard and everything's difficult and everything, you know. I, it's pretty simple, really, right? Now, have a wife, have a husband, or 
or, or live happy with the Lord by yourself. Either way, you know. But God said, you know, and there, there's a way. If you don't have a mate and you want one, pray for one. Amen. Come on now. Somebody help me. Yeah. Amen. Somebody said, if you have one, don't pray to get rid of one. <laughs> that's another message. I'm, that's, that's all. I said, I'm done. Say we're done. I'm, I'm at that age. Say we're Alright, Deuteronomy 5. If we think about this, ladies, think about if we obey God. Think about this, Dave. If we obey God's word, you think everything goes better for us? Now look at this scripture in Deuteronomy 24, 5. If people only understood this, if a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. This is God speaking. For one year he will stay at home and bring happiness to the wife that he married. God said, just have a good time, buddy, and enjoy yourself with your wife for a whole year. Don't even, we ain't going to send you out to war. We're going to give you a one-year honeymoon. Well, I wish I knew that verse when I was a young newlywed. My Lord. Think about that. You think God wants that, that, that marriage to be bonded and, and secured and, and be a, a, a deeply Amen. wonderful experience for both the man and the woman? Amen. Why would He command that? And is that a hard command? No, that's a, that's a good thing, man. That's pretty... How would you like to have had that? That's pretty sweet, huh? Notice He put the onus on the man. You take care of the girl now, buddy, huh? I mean, no, if you keep her happy, she'll keep you happy. Oh, it's awful quiet in this presentation. Come on, man. You keep mama happy, she'll keep you happy. Amen. Hey, man, we got too many old folks in here now, man. They, they, they're shaking their heads back at Hallelujah. Moving on. Proverbs 15, 8. I like this one. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Ooh. May your fountain be blessed. Isn't that good? And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Verse 19, day. Very next verse. A loving dove. A graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. And may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Ooh. I say the Lord is a sexy God. Amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. He created all that. Didn't He, Tony? And He said it was good. Oh, I'm sorry. He got to that. He said it was very good. Amen. Have you read the book? So I said, preacher, you, you, I'm just, I stick to the book, man. Amen. I'm just reading His Word. Come on, man. But that's good. You think God's a stick in the mud? He's this big old man with a baseball bat in his hand. He wants to just make your life miserable. Now he's got sense of humor. He's got, and you know what? He's made everything good. But, but it's not that He is. The bad comes when we get outside of following. His way and His word. That's where it happens. And of course, the enemy's right there to, of course, blame God. Well, all these things happen to you because, and it's your fault, 
it. If God really loved you, He wouldn't do this and that. And we don't really look at the big picture and realize it's sin. And God has provided us a wonderful way to live. Now, as a Christian for now 40 years, I wish I'd have understood all this by Holy Spirit, but I didn't. There's a point in time where we hear the Word and it goes in and then we're able to act on it in faith and bring the fruit of it. Amen? Now, Paul himself, the Apostle, uh, provided practical advice on avoiding sexual immoralities, and that's in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, Marriage was ordained by God as the unique institution in which sexual expression would take place. Anything outside of marriage is not from God. Amen. Okay, he, he created it. Yet the world, and all of us are in the world, we're not supposed to be of the, of the world. We're in it. But the world's aggressive in promoting what? The notion of sexual freedom, right? Be free. You know, have you noticed the people that are free, they're, they're in bondage. <laughs> they're not very free. And they like to be free from moral standards as well. And just go by whatever's right in their own eyes. You know, we as believers have to commit to God's plan for sexuality if we are to remain sexually pure. But this encompasses our actions, our attitudes, values, and our conversations. Amen? We need to remain. And if we're not and we sin, we ask forgiveness, we move forward. Amen? And we get pure. Come on now. What specific steps can we take to ensure that we'll remain that way? Well, we have to evaluate our response to worldly values. You know, I don't know about you, when I hear some of the things they say, man, that, that just shocks me. It, it, it stuns me what people are involved in, what they're doing, and, and it should. If it entices you, or you're like, well, oh, I don't know, then maybe you better re-examine where you're at with God, you know. I mean, are we opening ourselves up to these uh, lustful or illicit Ways by what we see in movies or what we watch on the internet or we, we open it up to that. If we are, we can ask God to help us make changes in our lives in order to bring our life into alignment with His moral law. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.